0: All right, welcome back to episode 15 of Life Uncensored Sam Dean Podcast. Today we have Book Farrell on again. Uh, episode of the podcast is brought to you by Protein Proletas. They're found at CrossFit Vans CrossFit Vans South. That's P R O L E T A S dot com. also sponsored by our coffee roasting company Van Zant Coffee order online at vanzantcoffee.com you can find us at Atticus & Co. Modern Goods downtown Canton, or sorry downtown Athens, Texas, Books Company it's Christmas right now shop there for Christmas don't go to Dallas, don't go to Tyler go to Atticus & Co. before you go to those places you can find Van Zant Coffee at Come and Take It Athens. Atticus & Co. Treehouse Cupcakes. You can find us at Pony Espresso in Canton. At Southern Brew in Canton. Southern Brew Edgewood. Giddy Up and Go in Wills Point. Bloom & Brew in Grand Celine, Pool Type Farms. Paul Michael Company. Picket Fence. CrossFit Van Zandt. Thank you guys for listening to our show. We have, once again, Boog Farrell's on, and when he was on last time, we were going to talk about the 100-mile race and do a recap of that this time. So I really appreciate all the listeners. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, if you want to sponsor the podcast, reach out to me. My email's vzfitatme.com. You can give me a call, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and uh, let me know that you want to sponsor. It's pretty cheap, and it helps us out quite a bit so enjoy episode 15 with Boog Farrell thanks for listening bye-bye all right welcome back everybody uh we have Boog Farrell back today second time to be on the show welcome man thanks for having me I'm doubly honored thank you for being here uh so last time Boog was on we talked about this race this 100 mile race um in West Virginia he got me to go run with him I got 43, he got to 100, but we're going to recap the thing today on this podcast here later in the show, we're going to recap. Uh, first, we're going to talk about some other things, but I'm so glad to, for you to be back. It's been a while since my last show with Adam Henderson, and now that we've gone through Thanksgiving and everything, and uh, yeah, man, it just feels good to get back on the podcast. I need This is so relaxing for me. Man, I'm I'm glad to be
1: back. I don't I don't know that I've slowed down much since the race. This is probably the first time you and I've really visited much since the race. So,
0: everybody asks you, "Well, have you recovered yet?" <laughs> <laughs> You've obviously recovered. Yeah. How long did it take you to recover from 100 miles?
1: I really. This week is the first time. Like yesterday's workout in particular uh was the first time I felt like pushing and feeling hundred percent. I was able to run really the week after the race and uh but I'd lost about ten pounds or more during the race and mm-hmm. so I still I've gotten most of that back. I started yep. doing movements and stuff a few weeks after but it's just now just now hundred percent. So a month? A month. For me. You
0: know, okay. I felt like I was ready to go back again uh a week after I ran. Yeah. A week. Um of course ran half the distance, so it's about that's about right. <laughs> that's about right,
1: yeah. I mean I was you know, we went to Sedona and had a great time and I ran a couple of times, but even on those runs and on the workouts since being back, it was it was like, Yeah, this is good, I'm not hurt i'm i'm able to train again but i'm not ready to race again you know i'm not ready Mm -hmm. to just go all in so this is the first time i felt this is the first week i've been like yeah every day
0: let's let's get it let's let's backtrack a little bit so you own atticus and co modern goods with your wife Flo. Mm -hmm. it's in athens downtown it's on larkin street so if you go from Cannes to Athens on 19, it's on the right, right before you get to downtown. You brought me a gift today, a Moor Maker knife made in the USA, but but made in Matador, Texas. Yeah. How'd you come across these knives?
1: So uh, some of my buddies in college carried those, and when I graduated from Texas a and M a a long time ago, my dad uh, gave me the knife that I have on right now. Actually, it's a stag, it's a white, it's a white-tailed deer uh, antler trapper uh, pocket knife that I carry in a in a holster that they also made. And so uh, I've carried this knife for 20 years, and it holds a good edge. It's a great knife, and I was used to do real estate out in West Texas and I even visited their place once. Just I was like, I got it's before Google, it's before Facebook and Apple Maps. I was like, I gotta find these guys and, and see where they make these knives. Now that I know that they get a lot of knives made and a lot of the blade work and everything done um, in some other places in the USA, but they are all American made. A lot of it's still done right there in Matador. And man, they're just, they're nice, they're simple good working knives and beautiful knives yeah
0: what do you call this thing that for skinning <laughs> uh, animals it's a gut hook it's a gut hook yeah, yeah. for gutting, for sort of field dressing so i wanted one of those because i'm now i'm killing a lot of hogs and you know every once in a while hopefully a deer um, and i wanted a gut hook on my knife so i could skin more easily I, and you know i traditionally do it with the whatever knife I have on me, really. I, you know, I don't carry, I don't have a, a normal carry knife. I have a nice coat that I carry a lot, but I carry, I wear the same watch every day, and I carry my phone, but that's about it on, on normal carry stuff, so I wanna incorporate this whenever I have my my belt on, to always carry this for the rest of my life, thank you. Yeah,
1: my pleasure, You're you're. I like, I'm a gift giver, that's one of my, my love languages. Oh yeah. And uh, you had said something about needing one of those. And and I know, like, I'm I'm particular about the things that I use. And when it comes to field dressing a deer, um, having a gut hook is really handy. Having a drop point knife as well for when you're working on the inside, it doesn't snag things as easy. So I love that blade for that. And it has a really good weight. Um, But I'm that way. I carry the same knife, chapstick, same watch. And coffee every day to the extent mm-hmm. when I was a youth minister, they had to do like a talent show and a kid his talent was impersonating me, and so he made his East Texas accent way worse. And he had a knife and chapstick and a coffee. So <laughs> I guess I'm a creature of habit, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you ever.
0: If you ever do, you ever lend that chapstick out?
1: Yeah, I don't ever borrow my chapstick because. No, no. <laughs> uh, you don't want to borrow it. no you do not want to borrow my chapstick chapstick's really versatile i mean it's not like baling wire or windex but mm-hmm. it's uh it's really
0: good for preventing chapping in lots of different places, different places. yeah we'll just leave it at that and you're a d- long distance runner so we can yeah. only imagine yeah i'm a vaseline user as you know uh yeah. but uh What's Windex good for other than windows?
1: Windex? Oh, yeah. man. it's Well, you have to watch Big Fat Greek Wedding. They tell you all about it. But it's uh, I know this for jellyfish. We take the, little, the girls to the beach, mm-hmm. and there's been a few years where there's a big jellyfish population right there at the beach. They get stung. They come running up to us. We spray it on the sting. They go right back out to the water. That ammonia just neutralizes it. So I assume it would be good for bull nettles, too, but. I've never did know that, that man. Yeah. Just learned something.
0: Podcast is paying off. Mind blown. <laughs> Speaking of podcast paying off, I'm gonna pat myself on the back for real quick. So we did the I did the podcast with Virgil Melton. <laughs> he talked about Vietnam. You were there when this happened to me, but we talked about Vietnam, his buddy Eddie Myers from Athens. Was it Log? It was Adam Piper. Or was it Logan? It was Adam Piper that played it for Eddie Myers' son. I think Logan played it for
1: Eddie Myers cuz I told Logan works with Eddie Myers son. Okay. And when I heard that episode, I'm friends with Brad as well and so I told Logan I was like yeah. you need to
0: you need to connect with Brad cuz I bet Brad's never heard those stories. So. And Brad listened to it. So these stories from Vietnam about his dad and yeah. that he didn't know about and Brad listened to it, shared it with his family and that oh, wow. that is the that alone is justification for me putting this podcast out yeah and I'm, I'm just i'm i'm floored that that happened and that that i could do at least one good thing with this secondly i found out you could spray windex on jellyfish uh stings. man you're just doing all the good dang oh man i bet a lot of people just learned that hopes <laughs> hopefully if you ever had a running company i know you're a running coach Ooh. you used to coach track you're my running coach what would you call it oh the chosen fast Art, yeah.
1: Yeah. And why? In fact I I I took I took a picture of a storefront in downtown Athens like mm-hmm. ten years ago and photoshopped my running shop over that storefront with my Patagonia thing in the window and everything. Uh Isaiah fifty eight six says this is the fast that, that I've chosen. Um here I don't want to butcher it. Isaiah it's uh You got these people trying to act religious and uh, God through the prophet Isaiah speaks to him and tells him all this fasting you're doing is not not working Um, he says is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke and to not get too you know into the weeds on that but I love it that he First, they let them loose. Then they take the straps completely off. Then they let the people go completely free. And then, just to make sure nobody's ever oppressed again, they break all the yokes. Um, that that verse, uh, it kind of all coalesced. That verse meant a lot to me when Flo and I were kind of started getting engaged in Africa. Mm-hmm. And at that same time, I was just really getting into running. That was uh I'd been running for just a couple years whenever we got into that. And uh and I just I love it. Um my kind of tagline for it is uh live free, run well. And I mean I think if I could sum up what I a wish that I'd have for everybody is that those two things would happen. And, you know, the living free I kinda talked about right there, but the running well for me, like that's really all I ever want to do. I don't, I don't, I'm not planning on winning a bunch of races. And you said something about me coaching, you <laughs> being your running coach a while ago. And it seems like right now I'm helping, I'm coaching a lot of people running. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my end on that is just want to do well. I mean, you're doing well running 43 miles in the West Virginia wilderness. Um, is not going to be the same well as mine is not the guy that ran the whole thing in like 18 and a half hours. But we just want to go out there and run well. And so if I had a running company, that's what it would be. The Chosen Fast,
0: uh-huh. Live Free, Run Well. Isaiah 58 six. Dot six or dash 6. How do you say that correctly? Uh, you have, All that stuff's
1: made up, so you can say it however you want to. But yeah. colon 6. When I do my version of I mean when, when the Bible. When, when wrote God wrote it, version. he didn't put those numbers on it. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: We're not talking about Isaiah Thomas here. We're oh snap! That's a whole other podcast. All right. Uh, if you wanted, if you're somebody out there that can run one mile and couch to five k, what? Real quick. You know, we don't need to take an hour on this. <laughs> but how do you? <laughs> you said st- we had six hours. How do you start running? How do you start running to your first five k if you've never ran one before?
1: Well, the first thing is, as an adult. We just need to avoid being injured as we're training, you know, so we wanna go after it, but not really hard one day and then not get to run anymore the rest so if you're going couch to five k, my first suggestion is we wanna get to twenty minutes. I want to get to where I can run twenty minutes because it's gonna take at least twenty minutes to run the five k mm-hmm. so start out with just try to run, try to i wanna get out the door, step one, yep, step two, walk five minutes, then run five minutes then walk five minutes, then run five minutes. You've got 20 minutes done. Um, Then what I'm going to start doing is each week, if it could be each week or each half week, close that walk gap by one minute. So now I'm walking four minutes, running six, walking four, running six. Once I get, I don't need to do anything fancy until I can get that to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, if I know I'm going out, I'm doing 10 minute pace or whatever, while i'm doing that then if i want to mix it up i could go to a track and say okay i've been doing 10 minutes that's two miles so i'm just going to get on the track i'm going to walk the curves and jog the straightaways for two miles you know you're just trying to work to where your body gets acclimated to that threshold of how much of time on feet the same thing i got to get used to to run 100 miles or 100k
0: is it okay to walk your first
1: 5k absolutely i believe so stay on top whatever you got to do to keep moving forward um, run when you can, walk when you can't. only thing the only enemy's
0: quitting. it's uh three point one miles, yes, sir, a five k um it's okay to walk, it's okay to walk to, the important thing is doing it if you always say you're gonna do it, you just gotta like you said, just have to get outside, walk the first five minutes, oh. and then try to jog the next five minutes, or just walk for twenty minutes, but you gotta start somewhere, yeah. And trust me, there's always going to be somebody behind you. There's always, you're not going to be the last one. You're not going to be the last one. And even if you are, people are going to support you. If you've ran a 5K before and you want to run a 10K, what do we do? Now we're going to start increasing
1: by about 10% a week. We don't want to increase more than 10% total volume a week, which is getting to, let's say I'm running two miles three times, three mm-hmm. times a week. Now I'm at, I'm six miles a week. So six and a half miles the next week, you know, seven miles. The next, and just slowly work your way up so that you're not going up by too much. If I'm running 10 miles this week, I might run 11 miles next week. That's going to guarantee that I'll get there. So usually if Sam comes to me and you're like, Hey, I want to run Canton half, then I'm going to start at Canton half and I'm going to back up 10% a week to make up your plan and see okay how far back do we have to go to make sure i can safely ramp up and this is all safe like you can do just about anything there's no telling what your body's going to do if you ramp up too fast and usually about every four weeks we want to drop down and have like a recovery week we're still active yeah. active recovery but not push you it.
0: could get like a nagging e a knee ankle yeah. hip injury that might sideline you if you go out if you're not used to it yeah um I
1: mean, you know, you're going to have that stuff anyway. Right. Y- you know that. I mean, you're you're going to hurt stuff training. And so all we're trying to do is mitigate risk. You're s- there's always a risk, but the mm-hmm. risk is not near as high as if you don't ever get off the couch.
0: Yes. Um. Well, like, I remember there was a time when I was in my life when one mile was dreadful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was a time in my life where I failed a two-mile run in the Army. <laughs> my first test, I never ran that far. Two miles. And I was like, how the hell does somebody run two miles <laughs> and keep this up? I mean, these guys are these guys are monsters that, are, that it can run two miles. And I just ran 43 is my record now. Yeah. 43. So next year I'm going to try to get 44, or maybe I'm running Bandera this year, still don't know. Uh, Still a chance. What's Bandera? 100K? 100K, 62 miles. 62 miles. That's January 14th. 24th. ninth. January 9th. Yeah. We got a lot going on. Um, we'll see if we can do that. Well, to go back to something, I, can I say something
1: about my first 5K? Yeah. let's you talk. Said let's that. talk about your first stuff. My first. <laughs> I, I had a lot when I was young, just running track and stuff. But my first adult 5K was uh, we had Grace, our oldest daughter, and Flo had started teaching at Eustace, and I would push Grace in the stroller, and she loved it. Like she was happy, you know, babies cry a lot. She was happy in the stroller. And so one day Flo came home and said she signed me up for a 5K. And I'm like, what about you? <laughs> it was like first annual uh, Pioneer Days 5K. I used to have it right after school in Eustace. So she signed me up for that and she ran as well and I pushed Sophie. I mean, I pushed Grace. Um, but the two things that I remember that had to do with what you just said from that race, besides Grace wanting to go back and see the cows. And I was like, "Daddy's not going back. (laughs) We got, I got to finish. Like I really didn't know if I could finish it, but the two things I recall first there is somebody always slower than you. And there's always like, you just learn however many years that's, that was almost 15 years ago now. And, uh, I've learned like you don't look at somebody and say I'm beating. I know I'm beating that one, because there was a dude in (laughs) Wranglers, probably not even like Rustlers,
0: Rustlers, Rustlers,
1: knockoff Chuck Taylors, a belt and like a collared shirt. And I'm like that guy can't be running this 5K. What is it? And oh my, he smoked me. I mean he was he was getting it. I mean of course I was running really slow, so he might not have been running that fast, but he beat me. And that was the one guy I looked at. I was like, well, I know I'm beating that guy. The other thing is that I came away from that, and like you said, you just got to get out the door. I came away from it thinking, you know, the people you meet at 730 in the morning on a Saturday who are the reason they're out of bed is to do something like this. They're generally really positive, fun people to meet. It's the people I want to be around. And that was really the running is good, the fitness is good, but just the community around people that want to get up and do hard things. Mm-hmm. Like, you just encounter that so much with running. Of course, with CrossFit, that's what I love about CrossFit. Um, but that was the two things that had the biggest impact me on me on my first 5K was I just need to run well and not worry about anybody else and you just meet good people, obviously.
0: Yeah, hey, man, that's, that's it. I feel like my journey is distance right now. Like, I'm on a distance journey. Maybe I'll get on time here later or speed. But I'm trying to conquer distance, mm-hmm. and which I like. I like the distance game. And I don't know how to pace myself properly. I got a good idea uh, on different races. Like, I'm doing the half marathon January 3rd in Canton again. I try to do that every year, support the hometown race. Uh, we usually have a water point that we do. But um, let's recap the... Uh, 100 mile if yeah. you will yeah. so we started out uh, Patrick Spruill who's yeah. been on the podcast three times he was the crew chief you him and I met at the, here at the house at the Los Cody Ranch bar at 5 in the morning yeah or maybe it was 4 it was I think it's was 5 it yeah. was 5 got in my truck went to DFW which was scary I haven't flown during coronavirus <laughs> we had our mask on um Lots of dogs. Lots of dogs. There were <laughs> dogs. Everybody had their own <laughs> service animal. There was poodles. There, there were there chihuahuas. None of them dogs served. Yeah. All those
1: dogs was being served. I didn't yeah. see any of those <laughs> dogs
0: serving nobody. <laughs> there were a lot of dogs. So we flew from Dallas. Pretty uneventful. Uh, we watched... Mad Max mm. uh with the Fury Road Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy and uh Charlize Charlize Theron. Theron. and that was pretty wild. Yeah. I liked that. <laughs> uh we got to Charlotte, North Carolina, had a couple of beers at the bar, got on this almost missed the connection <laughs> flight. So Boog and, and Patrick finished their beer at the bar. And I actually picked up the tab. I remember because I had a a, a three quarter full beer, and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna take it on the flight, or or I'll just drink, I'll just drink the rest of it at the gate." Well, we thought we had more time than we did, so Boog started running. We started running. Boog got there before we did. I tried to tell him to leave y'all, and they were like, "Hurry up!" They're pointing at me <laughs> at Patrick. They're like, "Get over here! We're shutting the gate. They're leaving. They're leaving." So I was running. And the lady's like, you can't take that on there. So now I'm looking for a trash can just to throw it away. And this one flight attendant or stewardess looks at me and goes, you finish it right now. So now I'm chugging <laughs> beer in front of like 50 people, and I hadn't chugged beer in a long time. And this is like a, this ain't a Coors Light. This is an IPA. So I'm like, <laughs> it's all this I feel like I'm in a fraternity here. I'm trying to chug this beer. It's like coming out of my nostrils. But I, I finally got it down. And threw it, uh, threw it away. Well, actually, the lady—I think she, the lady just took it—and um, we ran out because we're going to West Virginia. We had to get on the runway at a, at a major airport and get on this small little spy plane. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we're the last ones on. Everybody's pissed off. <laughs> and then we—pretty, <laughs> pretty loopy at this point. But then we get to uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah. And we get the Mazda rental car. Man, zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. This is a black Mazda SUV. Sucker could handle, handle. Baby really corners well. like it's yeah. on rails. <laughs> it handled like a Mini Cooper, this thing. <laughs> West Virginia, explain
1: West Virginia. How can you? It's wild and wonderful, man. I I didn't know what to expect, honestly. I, I Y'all might have known more than I did. Um, I don't know how we were late for a plane. I don't know how we ended up in West Virginia. And I don't, I don't know what I expected, but I don't think I was prepared for just how the mountains. Like, I remember flying and looking out the window and thinking, this can't be our mountains. Like, this must be some other place. Mm-hmm. And it's going to kind of mellow out before we land. And because we're not running this stuff. And then, <laughs> and then we landed. Um, so, I wasn't. In my head, prepared for how big the mountains of West Virginia were, um, and I wasn't prepared. Even though I've read books about it and articles, and you know, it, like I wasn't prever- prepared for the poverty um, that mm-hmm. we saw, witnessed driving down. I mean, we have poverty here in East Texas, of course,
0: but um, it's it, it's on it's, another level. It's on another scale. It, yes. that we were. We kept <laughs> asking each other, "Well, where are all the jobs? Like, yeah. where are the businesses that are open? Where yeah. where is the the economy?" Where do these people work? And it it was desolate and sad. And now I'm sure these people are happy. And we just got one little glimpse of it from a certain angle. So I'm sure the state's not entirely like that. But, you know, once a thriving economy on the coal industry, mm-hmm. now a lot of that's been shut down. Yeah. And there's a lot of shacks. There's a lot of, Seem like a lot of people, but not a lot of business. Not a lot
1: of commerce and just several abandoned homes, which is one of the most striking things. Is yeah. How many homes would just be empty? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, to this is kind of getting ahead, but, and kind of a spur, I guess. But, like, I look at Bryant, our friend Bryant Baker and his wife, Laura, that invited us to come out there and run this thing and put on the race. Um, you know, I know they don't, they, li- they lived in New Bronzeville, and that's super developed, really busy economy. Mm-hmm growing up and coming to Austin area. Obviously that's a big, the the area they live in now compared to that, there's no comparing those economies. Mm-hmm. But then I think the choice that they've made too, there's no comparing like his backyard is a trailhead and they have 40,000 acres of public land that his three girls are going to grow up on. So I know that there's some people moving out there and that are making a choice to live in that area just to have access to all that wildness Mm -hmm. and i i feel like kind of like they said that that is gonna create an industry that will grow over time and hopefully strengthen that economy but right now if you're just walking in like us like uninitiated no Mm -hmm. clue and with nobody to say here's what's going on it was uh it was pretty appalling i
0: was surprised and another thing like you know you think all that new river gorge is public land now it's national park type land which to me that also you have to start you have to start over and build around that because that's like that's land that could be developed by a private Mm -hmm. person to to make money Mm -hmm. now it's like okay no money to be made that way let's now you have to adapt and use it in some you know tourism type Mm -hmm. way recreational way um which is a whole other problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people have to have money to spend on recreation. Yeah. So like, then you got to back that up and say, okay, well, how do we get people how in here? How do you pivot? With some, and yeah, it was it was odd, but beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. It reminded me of the Catskill Mountains in New York where kind of around West Point uh, where those mountains kind of get north in the Hudson River. And um, so we show up, we get our, uh, we we finally get, there's a lot of, twisty turt, i get a little nauseous in the back seat because bugs <laughs> flying we take a what appeared to be a shortcut but turned out to be a two hour <laughs> a long cut was, it's a long was so long cut it right was there. a long cut and uh we get to our cabin um i think we get there that night we sign in get our packets or whatever next day we go out and check out all the checkpoints so there's a checkpoint yeah. on this 100 mile race A checkpoint about every seven miles and we have drop bags where we're gonna have to take the food that we prepared, and we're just kind of get a, a lay of the land, and uh, that was a fun day. <laughs> um, pull me one too if you don't mind. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, it, it was. It's I've never been to a race where you really didn't know where the aid stations were gonna be. I think partly because the, these aid stations were so remote, and also because of COVID, they didn't want a bunch of people at the aid stations so we really were kind of like super sluice we were having to kind of figure out in a in a backwards type way how to how to find them and And i'm
0: glad we did and while we were running sometimes at night patrick was going to have to find them and be there with our uh drop bags and another pair of shoes and whatever we needed in the car which patrick Mm -hmm. did a phenomenal phenomenal job
1: yeah i gotta say i mean it's kind of a larger point i I didn't... You grew up with Patrick. I didn't know him really well Um, going into it. I'd just been around him at the gym a few times and had breakfast, I think, and heard him on here. Um, And, you know, ultra running for me, a lot of it's pretty solitary, and so I spend most of my time training for that alone. I spend, you know, 100K, if it's a 14-hour race, I'll run 13 of it by myself. And you get really kind of dependent on your own yourself like i'm good it's just me this is doing my thing so i don't run with a lot of people I ran with you probably more than i've ever ran with anybody in a race um, between spartan and and west virginia and so almost when you introduce another person it could be a good thing or it could be a really bad thing because i mean Mm -hmm. i'm a net neg i'm a net zero like i'm okay with just me Mm -hmm. so if somebody else is going to be in the mix it needs to be a positive or or it can't i've had it where it's a destructive thing and uh, I really, honestly, did not know what to expect with Patrick, but he was incredible. I mean, Patrick, if you ever listen to this sometime in the next 10 years, you are incredible. I mean, he uh, he was Johnny on the spot, and we'll get into all those details, but I can't say enough about how awesome
0: he came through. He was. He yeah. was. He, he was there every time. Best crew chief ever. <laughs> <laughs> best crew chief ever. You guys are the best runners ever. Yeah uh so going to bed that night we went to bed early mm-hmm. uh, we had a fire every night we had a lot of wet firewood so it, it was it was kind of a a solid we working on fire all the time as we're relaxing at the uh cabin we never made it in the hot tub it's a regret of mine uh there's also deer walking around everywhere and uh or bear and Brian said yeah there's bear we never saw a bear but I thought I heard one the next day our race started at 7.30 a.m., and it was kind of like any race I've ever done, but there's only 15 of us starting at that time. Yeah. They had it kind of separated because of COVID. There were 200 racers in the race, and we started at 7.30 a.m. So Boog's strategy they gave me on this run was walk the hills, and that's any ultra-marathon trail run, yeah, walk the hills.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say for anybody – Anybody going for your
0: first ultra for sure. Ultra is tw- over a marathon. That's tum- a, that's an ultra. Yeah, man.
1: 26.3 or more. Or really just going for any if you're doing your first trail run, you know, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of people that go down to Bandera and do their first 25k. This is still a good strategy for them if this is not a road run. And yeah. so just plan on power hiking up and run down. Run the flats if you want, but run down, but I make a strict – because pride come, cometh before the fall. Yeah. So I I try to set some boundaries. I knew that with, with 100 miles, I'd never done that. And mm-hmm. and if we just walked up and ran down, we would be fine. So yeah. if, if you can finish and use that strategy, do it for your first one. If after that it moves from mileage to time, then, yeah. you know.
0: At one point, I was taking too long of steps, and you said, hey – Take shorter steps. Mm-hmm. And why were you, what were you trying to make me do?
1: So, you know, one of the things that I've learned is and you just want to be efficient. Yeah. When I take those longer steps, um, I'm using a bigger range of motion, which with CrossFit we're familiar with that. It's basically you're doing a deeper lunge. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It is more powerful. You will cover that ground faster in that one step than my two short steps. But what it turns into is it – just like doing a a bunch of deep squats as opposed to a bunch of half squats, it's it's gonna start fatiguing. You're really drawing on that posterior chain a lot more, and which gets a great fitness adaption, but for an ultra is requiring more energy. And so if I can be more efficient, it also, some of those overuse injuries that can be acute that happen during a race or from Mm. those tendons and things and IT bands moving over those bones. So if you can just basically stay lighter on your feet You minimize that impact. It's going to take a little bit more time. It's going to take more steps, but it's going to be less taxing and less injury-prone type of movement. You just want to kind of move. It's not really a shuffle, but you just want to be efficient. Light light on your feet. Gingerly. Gingerly. Step gingerly, (laughs) which is perfect for you. Yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Um, So I never cramped up the entire time, which is we had had nutrition. We had uh, a lot of food. Mm -hmm. We were constantly eating constantly drinking i was making sure i drank and half electrolytes half water mm-hmm. and but i did feel like my hamstrings were like ropes man they were yeah. tight yeah i never cramped though and mm-hmm. at when we finished a marathon i changed my shoes cuz i felt i felt a burning sensation on my Achilles never had a blister it's crazy never had a blister my feet were wet when we crossed that river crossing mm-hmm. but I started feeling burning on my Achilles and I don't know if it was my shoe or what but then I put a different pair of shoes on after the marathon that Patrick had and man it was like it was like heaven. Mhm. Um uh, you wore the same shoes the entire 100 miles.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no no issues, no blisters. Did you
0: get what what you, what kind of f- foot damage did you have at the end? None. Not zero. Zero foot S- damage. I know my so my my long toes so the second toe on my foot yeah. both of them the toenails are bruised but yeah. they're fine
1: now i mean i say none i mean my feet are pretty mangled from yeah. running in general and so um the ends of my toes are all pretty nasty and but they they just kind of stay that way i mean that's <laughs> just part as far for the course um Yeah, my hamstrings were super tight, and like you said, the Achilles got really tight. I think it's just that monostructural movement, Mm -hmm. and you're not – once again, we're not using the full range of motion. So it's just you're kind of like – it's like you're out there on the end of that rope and just pulling on it constantly, and it just – it gets tight in another way. Um, I know I got to – where later on in the race, every time I would leave an aid station, I would do you know kind of a sumo squat and just kind of sit down there for a minute and try to stretch restore that range of range of motion, loosen things up.
0: but it's not natural for your body to go hundred a hundred mile It's not natural no. to go 43 miles it's, it's not natural to do a marathon, but you know people can wrap their minds around doing a marathon or less yeah. It's whenever you go further than that it's like okay, because if you've ever finished a marathon. I have a few times, and I'm toast after that. Yeah. Just the the fact that you kept going after that, it's a lot of mental. It's a huge mental game. Uh, I was going through. I got emotional at the end of it. Uh, when you started talking about just random things, and that was half your fault bringing up stuff. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> I wanted to I learn trying, about. I was what trying is, not to think about is this? it. Sam Dean.
0: I was opening up, and then we got to this, <laughs> this, it started to get late in the evening, it was about 7.30 p.m., we got to this long point, which is towards the end of my race, this point, this rock that goes out, and this is New River Gorge, which is new, the new river, and there's this, this is uh, not a suspension bridge, but an arch bridge, it's the biggest yeah. biggest one in the western yeah. hemisphere, it's beautiful, but at night, it was incredible, because we could see the trail and all the headlamps, and it was like ants going over, <laughs> Uh, going over this trail and then all the cars were going across this New River Gorge Bridge and we kind of just sat out there both of us called our wives and uh, just just to check, em out, check in because we had some service but man it was it was the highlight of my trip yeah. and uh, then I walked it walked it back into the next aid station 43 miles Bug took off we met him again at the midnight at the turnaround which was 55 miles Met him again at six a.m. Yeah, uh, and just
1: for the listeners out there, just to kind of give a flyby because we hadn't really. I'm. I have a picture of the race in my head, but mm-hmm. I know if if you've never been there, so um, to back up a little bit, I guess where we started. Um, this new river, the river itself is on about eight hundred feet. And the ridge, the rim, rim to river, mm-hmm. the rim is around 3,000 feet, and this is approximate, you know, heights and everything. And so we started up at the river, I mean at the rim. We worked our way down about 2,000 feet to the river, went over and did this little spur that we didn't do again on the second lap, mm-hmm. and then we ran over to Canard. We we're about a marathon, so we're down at the river. Then as soon as we left Canard and, and the Mazda and Patrick, then we started working our way back up to the rim. So we were at the rim, we ran down to the river, ran along the river, ran up to the rim, ran down to Long Point, had that existential and epic experience out there, which really, I think we, we're gonna have to talk a little bit more about. And then and then ran I ran down to the river to Fayette mm-hmm, then Steve. up mm-hmm. to eight a- to Anstead to see you guys yep. back on the rim. So on that one lap, you from rim to river to rim, to rim to river to rim. And then we do it all again, coming back, but there's some parts they leave off on the second lap. So we're at 55 miles, but then it's only 45 miles coming back, which yeah. for me was a mental, a huge mental thing knowing that I'm closer to home at the halfway point.
0: Yeah. And you're, past 50 miles you're 55 miles in, mm-hmm. so that's good
1: but yeah i that long long point like i said i've been in this 15 years and long point was one of the highlights of uh all my racing ever just getting to hang out there for a minute yeah and uh i uh i didn't know really what was going to happen once we separated um i'd made it pretty clear to you how i wanted to separate because mm-hmm. I mean, really, at that point, we were both pretty rough, and for people to kind of get that course, I mean, there's, there's, this is not in a real controlled environment, Mm -hmm. you know? um, There's parts where, like at Long Point, where if you just take the wrong step, you're falling a thousand feet, you know, in the dark. Um, At this point, we had been running like, like 12 hours, I think, around about 12 hours, and and the body starts doing some weird things and you get kind of zombie like and uh and i just know how bad off we could be it was really um good to have a buddy and to, and to be together and uh and there's some parts out there on that trail where if you fell off they may not find you for a week yeah. you know if oh, ever yeah. We saw Model T's just laid down. They've been down there 100 <laughs> years. I mean, you could end up being one of those Model T's.
0: Some racers probably wanted to fall off there. Yeah, I I have at some point, I was like, no, it might not be that bad. Just, just, just fall off on there.
1: Roll a boulder off on my arm <laughs> and let me stay here, please.
0: <laughs> uh, at the aid stations, they had like uh, quesadillas, cheese quesadillas, yeah. and they had these potatoes, which I ate a, cup, a couple times. Yeah and you made those breakfast tacos that I had at the first station. Yeah. We had some pizza and we never ate that pizza. Mm.
1: It sounded like a, it was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be
0: appetizing, but it, yeah. and and then what I really wanted to do the podcast about bug had this beef jerky and there was two the p- whole reason I'm getting <laughs> and there were two there were two points to where I actually ran out of water before I got to the next aid station cuz I'm go through water like a, you know, crazy cuz I sweat so much. I was out of water one time, really thirsty. Boog gives me this beef jerky. He doesn't tell me it's jalapeno beef jerky. (laughs) Burns me completely up. And I was cussing him, but then he gave me some of his water. So it wasn't wasn't bad. The thing is, it's a race. (laughs) (laughs) It's a race. And you You got to do, I can't outrun everybody. (laughs) Whatever you got to do to take out the competition. I was like, this ain't his first race. I was like, <laughs> that damn, was an got
1: honest, me. That's honest mistake. <laughs> got me. I was so thirsty,
0: and he hit me with the jalapeno. Spicy. It so God, odd. it was spicy. <laughs> and, uh, it was the worst. I wish I had a gallon of milk. I'd have <laughs> chugged it right then. <laughs> I chugged it, Damn, the damn couple of tums. Oh, uh, nice. But it really was great, and I. Of course, you know. I think I told Ashley. I was like. You know, I got 43 and everybody's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. You know, you did great. You know, of course, a little inside, of of course, I wanted to finish 100. Yeah. Uh, Didn't train for it. You know, I do CrossFit every day. I like to kind of go out and see how far I can get. And obviously, I know now you have to train to do 100 miles. There's no, there's no, nothing. There's no way around it. However, like I'm going to give myself the rest of my life to get 100, which I know I'll get that. Sooner than later, yeah. but I'm gonna go for 44 miles, just like if I were to run a 5K today. If I don't finish for some reason, I'm gonna next time. I'm gonna finish. Yeah. See how far I can get, and uh I'm proud of that. That 43 miles, and you don't always accomplish everything you set out to, you know. And it's and it's okay. And the 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 hard part's just going and starting it and just doing it. Yeah. And that's so many people don't do that. And uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. There you know, the two hundred people ran it, uh how many people finished? hundred and thirty eight. Hundred and thirty eight finished. Yeah. So there it was About a
1: third of people dropped.
0: A third of the people like me dropped, but we still supported. Um Patrick and I still supported Bug Bug so you had uh like four miles two or f- four two to f- two or four miles to go and you ran up to me with a nosebleed. <laughs> And I thought you just had to run around the lake because it's bad. You got some bad directions. Yeah. I thought you had just had to run around the lake to yeah. finish. But then you were gone forever. And whenever you came down to the finish line, I had FaceTime with, with Flo and your girls. Uh-huh. And they got to watch you live come across the finish line, your first 100 yeah. miles. Yeah. Your personal record, how did that feel, finishing that race?
1: Well, um, it was, it was, it felt a lot like finishing Bandera. It was just different. I mean, so usually running Bandera, a, ba- a slow Bandera year is going to take me about 16 hours. And this took almost twice that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, in the, because of the amount of gain, it felt about twice as hard as a Bandera. So if you ever told me I had to run Bandera and then turn around and do it again, I, I would have told you you're nuts. But so that felt good. Um, I, f- I always get emotional at a finish of a long race. And so I felt really, you feel a lot of love. It's like coming back into the gym and Murph when you run back in for that mile and you know, you feel amped. Um, so I was and and I love you guys and I I love Bryant. And so I just felt really blessed. And Mm -hmm. then because you're such an ass, you put the girls in front of me yeah i mean that was just cruel that paid me Sorry. back for the beef jerky cuz then i'm not <laughs> just i'm not just a little bit emotional now i'm really emotional because yeah. i think about i kind of go through phases like i can't start thinking about my girls too early on in the race um a lot usually when it gets really bad at the end of a race i'll start thinking about my girls because um i, I want to be their superman i want to be they're heroes. So if I set out to do something, I want to do it. And uh but I honestly didn't think, you know, they would see it. Yeah. I was going to call them later, so as soon as I saw them um on the phone, I just I just lost it. I mean, I, I learned about 10 years ago that to be a good runner, if I want to be a good runner, I just need to be the best dad I can be. Yeah. and then everything else to take care of itself so i think about them a lot towards the end of the runs and and if they're not happy for me to be doing something that i don't really want to be doing it and so that really just that wrecked me it was really cool um to see them at that moment that was really the way you and patrick both kept them kind of informed you'll never know i've I ran a race one time at Bandera where I was on the first lap. I was ahead of Flo and them the whole race. And so I never got to see him on mm-hmm. the first lap. Then the second lap I was behind the whole time. I never got to see him. So I didn't see him all day. And that was the most, one of the most depressing days of my life, that De- most depressing race for sure, because I draw so much of my inspiration just from their joy. And, uh, for you guys to to do that really meant and will will mean a lot um but it was awesome i mean i i didn't run fast you know i was 30 minutes under the yeah. cutoff um
0: so 30 it took him 31 hours 30 minutes and that's all throughout the night you know he had a headlamp You're just running non-stop so you know people ask me all the time well did y'all stop to sleep it's like no you can't <laughs> yeah. there's no time there's no time to sleep Mm-mm. um do you, when you, talking about your girls, do you ever, when you're out running, do you feel, you ever feel guilty about, hey, I'm out here, not with them, yeah, that's the main deal, right, yeah, it's like, I'm trying to do this, I got, I do this for me, but, it, you know, I'm also doing hard things, I'm inspiring yeah. other people, but, yeah. I, I truly enjoy what I'm doing, yeah, but am I, I'm a little, little guilty for being out here, by myself,
1: yeah. It's – that's been a struggle forever. Um, I – and, and Flo and I talk – like, I get pretty obsessive. My, my tendency is to be obsessive about it. And so, I really have to watch um, how much I'm out there. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be – that's another reason why I, I just want to run well. Yeah. If I really wanted to win, I would be out there six hours a day, just like with the games. I mean, it would be right. – um, one of the, the runners I used to read about when I was uh, earlier on in the racing, I mean, she was one of the best women ultra runners in the country. She had four kids. She had a full-time job. She's sleeping four hours a night. She's training eight hours a day. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not going to do that. And so I do uh, some of the things I try to do to offset that. It's why I CrossFit early in the morning because really if my girls are up and available, I want to be around them. Um, and so um, a long time ago when they were little I started doing my long runs early in the morning on Saturdays because they don't usually wake up until around 10 anyway so I can get it done and get back and be present Um, and I found that you know if I don't do that if I wait till it's later in the day Mm -hmm. and then I go to maybe I'm supposed to do a three lap training run at Tyler State Park and I'll get one lap in and I know the girls are up and I'm looking at my watch I'm like I'd just rather be at home and you know so it is a trade-off because you are like I feel like I'm do that's part of my job as a dad.
0: Yeah, is to do the everyday epic. Um, so there's that ex- there's extreme of, you know, the games athlete or the people that win the hundred mile, like that's that's their primary focus. Yeah, there's guys like me and you that try to balance the being a dad, but then there's there's a lot of people that say, well, that's just selfish. I don't I can't go to the gym. I need to be here with my spouse. The spouse makes them feel bad about it, yeah. so they never, they never help themselves. And I feel like if you're fit or you're in shape, you can do, you can help more people. You're gonna be a better father. You're gonna yeah. be a, a nicer person to be around. You're gonna be more productive at work. And when you're successful at work, you can provide for more people, your family, your community, your church, whatever. It's all included. Uh, but you can't use it as an excuse. But at the same time, if you're obsessive about it, then it could be detrimental just like anything else.
1: Yeah, I think you can poison your well. I mean, for me, what I've found is that sometimes in those situations, I've found when when somebody's resenting the other one doing something positive like that, there's usually a lot more going on Mm -hmm. than just that. Like that's just a symptom of uh, deeper things going on. And for me and Flo, I've found that when I love her well. And I keep us healthy, or we keep us healthy. There are literally, and this happens. There are literally times she's like, "You need to go for a run." Like it's not like I'm trying to sneak out and get my run in so that I don't get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like that whole concept of getting permission, getting in trouble, like that stuff shouldn't be in our marriage at all. And we've fought hard to kind of banish that. Like we're gonna love each other well, and when we love each other well, I there's no problem with my running. When I'm when I obsess about anything, if I put anything above my family, and you know that becomes bigger than it should be, then yeah, it's going to be a problem. would not matter if it's running or or the Dallas Cowboys or my truck or whatever. I mean, yeah. So it's been it's taken a while, but I mean, I, you know, I've been I've been doing this like I said, 15 years, and I the when I ran the fastest marathon I ever ran. Um, I came home to a really unhappy house. I I went up to Wyoming and did a race up in the Bighorns and came home to a really unhappy house. And so it's it's taken a lot of hard work and my hard-headedness and not being a slow learner Mm -hmm. um, to figure out how how to balance it. And really CrossFit has helped a lot because CrossFit fills a void. With CrossFit, I'm not having to try to train for four hours a day because i'm going to have a level of baseline fitness that's there and then i just have to run enough to be able to run well because we're not trying to win anyway i just want to enjoy it and feel like i'm doing
0: good so we have a workout let's say the other day it was 50 wall balls 50 pull-ups 35 wall balls 35 pull-ups and then 20 wall balls and 20 pull-ups why not do a thousand wall balls and a thousand pull-ups well it's because we all have one hour to maximize our fitness one hour a day for a normal person to live a healthy life, go to work, provide for your family, spend time with your family. We need to maximize that hour. So yeah. that's why intensity is, is king in that. Um, and you can overtrain, man. And Family is the most important thing. It's more important than your job. It's more important <laughs> than your your physical life or whatever, your gym or your church or whatever. Family is the main deal. Somebody said this other day is like, if you, if you leave your job or if you, if somehow you can't work anymore, like they'll replace you the next day. Yeah. Like your job. Yeah. we are literally replace you the <laughs> next day. But like your family is always going to like, that's the one you're going to be at, at for the rest of your life. You know, like you got to make that work. Yeah. And, uh, however, and you have to be happy for them to be happy. Yeah they have to be happy for you to be happy and it's a
1: it is i mean you know it's a relationship like what it's called it's a relationship. that's that's the definition of relationship you're kind of giving and taking and and flow is definitely i mean we've learned a lot about each other over the years i used to hunt i mean i used to hunt from seven years old on i hunted i hunted more (laughs) before i was 10 years old than most people probably hunt in a lifetime and and that is for me i had i could be when Flo and i first started dating we had no kids we had no responsibility i would be running mountain biking hunting this <laughs> hunting that hunting the other yeah you know doing something like this all the time and for me running is just kind of it's something that's easy mm-hmm. all i have to have is a pair of shoes i don't even have to have shorts i can run in pants um and a place to run you
0: got either one of those on yeah uh
1: <laughs> You know, it's, it's, and it's something I can, if I run for 20 minutes, if you're going to play golf, you can't play golf for 20 minutes. No,
0: that's, you know? that's why I don't play golf. It right. takes like six hours. Yeah.
1: You're going to hunt. If I want to go hunting, I'm not going for 20 minutes. Now, yeah. I might
0: shoot a pig in 20 minutes, but I'm not going to go deer hunting. That's the minutes. only hunting I like to do yeah. is if I see one on my camera and I can yeah. run down there and shoot them real quick, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. But I don't care about killing deer and I don't care about doing all that. Now I will let people pay me to do it here, but I don't. Yeah, that, I just I haven't been into that. Yeah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with no, it. No, it's, it's awesome. I mean, my dad. Um, it's awesome. It
1: a lot. Well, and, I, and a shameless promo here. I mean, you you mentioned CrossFit and keeping it within an hour, and um, I mean, it works. It works. You like you said yourself in your own words. You didn't train for a hundred mile, and and you tapped out at forty three, a twelve mile PR. It was pretty incredible on my part to witness that. Um, but even take that, all right, good. You know, like people would say, Oh, good Sam. He's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just cause Sam's so tough and he made it, you know, 43 miles. It's not really, you know, is he really run that marathon and really up to a 50 K, mm-hmm. but especially that first marathon, you were flat rolling. Like, I don't know whether you really appreciate how well you ran the first marathon of that course which is great for a CrossFitter and, and, in your words, a non-runner. But I know lots of runners that mm-hmm. train for trails, and that this is what they do, and that they are doing it six days a week, and they don't run a trail marathon as well as you ran that mm-hmm. first marathon. And that was tough. Like, we started out, first 14 miles is super technical mountain bike trail. Yeah. Some of the steepest stuff on the whole course is that first 14 miles. Mm-hmm. And then is multidiscipline. multidisciplinary. Then you had the rail to trail to get to Canard. I mean flat, and that's just yeah. flat grinding and you were grinding that out. That's yeah. you were running twenty the mile twenty to twenty six which in a marathon which you know that's mm-hmm. people are dropping like flies. You were grinding that out all the way to Canard. And I I really can't I don't know that I even really got it then because I was kinda out of it, but that first marathon you crushed. Yeah, like it was tough. If and and I know you want to keep getting PRs on distance and everything, and you do. And I want you to finish it, but and you did good getting a PR. But that marathon too was quite a running accomplishment. Like yeah, I, I didn't. Even it was impressive.
0: It. When we got there, I changed my shoes and we were like kept going. I didn't really sit back and mm-hmm. think. I think mm-hmm. I did a Facebook Live video at yeah. the time. I was like, "This, we just finished a marathon." yeah i mean it was tough i mean especially that long straightaway at the end man yeah. never it felt like we ran that thing forever it was like seven miles of just nine miles it was nine miles of flat <laughs> just yeah flat. It was god it seemed like 20 miles and i was like where because i you know this always happens to me whenever i'm running distance or i'm i'm doing a hike or a in the army ruck marching i always think that the the finish is just around the bend mm-hmm. like it's I mean, it, hell, it, it could be nine miles, and I'll know it. I'll be four hundred meters into this bitch, and yeah. I'll be like, the, "It's just around the bend." It's got to be. In my brain, I'm such an optimist. My brain acts like that all the time. Yeah. So I'm always let down. I'm just so I just got let down after let down, and then, then I ran out of my water. Boo gives me the jalapeno. <laughs> he gives me the jalapeno jerky, which turns it into like twelve miles. <laughs> and uh, nay, he gave me water on that. But yeah, we kept trudging along. You know, we were still ahead of a lot of people. People kept passing us. And I'm like, how the hell are we in front of these people? (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they were facing themselves a little better, I think, than I was. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, man, hell, I'll never forget that, man. That was great. And we went, saw some beautiful stuff, abandoned rail, entire rail yards abandoned, Mm -hmm. going across these beautiful streams and all these coal mines that were abandoned, coal on the ground yeah just just from coal
1: on the ground that you're running in um that section right there too like we were trying to get to the brooklyn mine yeah you know we kept thinking oh it's just right there but then we saw these other mines and i remember in that section we're running an old narrow gauge railway that connected all those mines and you're on a trail and then just the rails start emerging from mm-hmm. the trail you know and you're like well crap better not i'm gonna break a toe or something on this yeah. but it's just the history of the place um really was pre and and that's the thing even looking down from the plane when we were flying in and looking at pictures and in the pictures that we've sent you mm-hmm. can look at those hills and you're like well it looks kind of like the hill country mm-hmm. and you look at that little river and those hills you're like oh that's kind of nice but when you're there in person I mean, that river is 300 yards across. I mean, it's a huge river. Yeah, it's big. And then those trees are 200. They're not little scrub cedar trees. They're 200-foot tall, you know, oaks and beech and all these other beautiful trees. It's like, it's a pretty, the scale of the race. I think that was one of the things that, you know, when you and I were sitting on Long Point and we're we're seeing these headlamps, and I have the video of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like much on the video. It's still in my mind's eye. Um, you can see those headlamps, like you said, you know, working their way down the gorge beneath the bridge, across the river, and then up the other side of the gorge beneath the bridge, and then going off towards Anstead. And you're like, Oh, that looks pretty well, you're looking at right there we were looking at about fourteen miles of trail, you know, mm-hmm. in one view. Yeah. You're seeing fourteen miles of trail. That's longer than all the trail at Tyler State Park. You know, that's half mm-hmm. a loop at Bandera. And, uh, I think just the scale of that race and how much country you cover, I think, because it's a point to point, Yeah. it just, uh, man, it just made it, it's just on a, it's out another plug. I mean, I, if you're wanting to do a trail run and you're, you're wanting to push the distance, this is a wonderful mountain hundred mile because like I said, the river's at 800, Yeah. the top of the rim is at around 3000. So you can breathe. That was the, one of the cool things. We didn't need to acclimate for altitude. No, because the,
0: I never got bothered by altitude other than when I had to do the steep 3,000-meter climb on the rocks at the end. It mm-hmm. completely broke me off. That was like oh. some of the h- toughest hiking I've mm-hmm. done. And I used my trekking poles almost the entire time. Yeah. I got them after, this, after seven miles. I picked them out of the car. but um, It's ain't it wasn't an easy race at all like if you're if you're wanting to go from a 100k to a 100 miles or whatever man it's not easy but it's worth it yeah. just do your best yeah there's a lot of
1: beautiful there's a lot of i think pretty country that you and i didn't get to see because it was dark like yeah and a lot of that stuff from uh long point to Enstead seems like it would be really really mm-hmm. beautiful but I oh, mean, it was, I was
0: when we, we went the day before yeah we drove yeah But well, so for you what's next like all right you just ran 100 got a belt buckle what running goals do you have from here on out
1: I, you know i've been reflecting on that a lot lately um for you know th- that was a big one because for the longest time because people know i'm a nut they're in their words i'm a nut and i'm like man this is bug i mean you, you need to meet this guy. He runs hundred miles. And every time I have be, well, I've never actually ran a hundred mile. I've done lots of hundred Ks yeah. and lots of, so it was nice to be able to say, and because it's my friend, I mean, I want to be able to say when I'm 80, I've been running this thing every year. And, and so we did, we, we got the first one out of the way. Yeah. So that was a huge, huge goal. Um, now, and with Bandera coming up in about four weeks, um, I used to run a little bit faster. Uh, I w- we kind of with getting into CrossFit, my overall fitness has gotten a lot better. Um, but it's not just cro- like I switched to CrossFit. Mm-hmm. We changed houses. I uh, bought Hearn Surveying and then started, you know, the entrepreneurial, the serial entrepreneurial thing, and. Mm-hmm. I've been in kind of a state of flux constant for the last three or four years. And I'm a creature of habit. I really need to have a good rhythm of the day. Um, and I need a rhythm in my training. Even though I want it constantly varied, I want to have mm-hmm. that rhythm. And I really feel like, just like I said, I'm just now getting recovered. I'm just, We're just now kind of getting a rhythm with this whole new, all these new things we have going on. Um, so I feel like if I could get in a rhythm of run training with my CrossFit and I feel like I'm doing that now, then I would like to get faster. I mean, I ran, a, my PR at Banderas is a 1230. Mm-hmm. And last year I ran, I felt great, had great support. And fuel is finally on point. And, but I mean, I ran a 1530. So there's three hours there. Um, so this year, my goal is, is to try to PR. I'm also going to, I'm seventh all-time active bandera racers on total distance ran at bandera so this year i'll get my 1000k jacket so that's kind of a big deal for me um but really i just want to run well and i feel like um i have a friend who would say hey those days of running those speeds are are gone Mm -hmm. but i i don't believe that i get beat by older runners all the time yeah and so i think uh for me the next goal is 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 trying to get a little bit faster. Um, And then trying to find some adventures um, to go on with people like Sam Dean that aren't scared. And, uh, I mean, Trans Rocky would be a really fun one. Yep.
0: Um, Is that the one in Leadville or no? uh,
1: That one, I can't remember where you start and finish, but you run kind of the Continental Divide. It's a two-man, fully supported race across the Rockies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Running like 14 to 20 miles a day. I think you run a marathon one day. Um, but that's been something I've kind of always wanted to do as a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. I mean, I'm Texas runner. I like. I don't. I don't have to be running out of state all the time. I think if if West Virginia is the only out of state race I do every year, that'll be fine. Um, I just want to. I just want to keep getting saltier. I mean, I want to be like old salty ball Sam Dean, <laughs> and uh, just keep getting. Keep get keep learning more you know, about myself. Gonna you know, need some more salt. Have <laughs> <I'm about> to <laughs> eat more bacon. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's it. Bandera PR benchmark of a thousand thousand k there. Um, that'll be my thirteenth run in a Bandera, and then uh, I've already signed up for West Virginia for next year.
0: So, so just so. have like Bandera, West Virginia, a couple other little things, but those are the two staples. Those
1: are gonna be my staples. Yeah. Those yeah. are my super They're Bowls. and really. At the level I'm training, if I can be running, like, marathon 50K distance, I'm training really good for that distance. Yeah. And I think I'm training, obviously, good enough to finish those longer ones, Mm -hmm. but to feel really good at that 50K distance. And uh, that takes a little less out of you. You can kind of transition back to life a little bit better. It doesn't take as much time, so I'm not away from my family. Because, really, the girls go to Bandera. That's the Mm -hmm. one race they go to a year. Yeah. And so I don't there's a lot of people that race almost every week and I don't have
0: the desire to do that. I love my no. CrossFit community. I love yeah.
1: messing with my cows. And I
0: remember when I started CrossFit Van Zant, it seemed like every weekend there was a CrossFit competition, yeah. you know, somewhere and I got burned out. And yeah. I was like, look, I'm not going to any CrossFit competitions unless it's mine, <laughs> you yeah. know, unless, unless <laughs> I'm throwing it, you know, which we did three a year, uh, and then, you know, we've done two a year for the last couple of years. We've only done one this year because of COVID. And uh, the one we did was great. Um, but uh, what was
1: one of your big takeaways
0: from year? I mean, where do you see? Uh, Man, I liked it. You know, uh, it was an adventure for me because, you know, running from Canton to Athens was 31 and a half miles. That's mm-hmm. the longest I've ever ran. And you know, when I say run, you know, there's times we walk, we walk yeah. up hills. It's not con- continuous running, but it's continuous movement, mm-hmm. continual, continuing, you know, movement. Uh, I've done marathons in the Army. We did a marathon uh, foot march one time at, at Fort Hood. So I'm always just, I love to test myself on, on what can I go do right now? Like if I had to, I'll put my boots on right now and go out <laughs> there. Like what could I do? And yeah. I like to be in a state of readiness and kind of a state of this is what I can do based on what I do every day. Now, yeah, I could take the time and I, you know, selfishly I could take the time and it's not it's not selfish, but I have so much going on right now that training specifically for one thing to me is I just have, it's not in my priority list. Like my priority is not, it's not the very top. So, um, so going out and being able to do 43, and, you know, pace out, I claim that I'm a, p- you're a paceman. Um <laughs> Even though, that, you know, if you didn't have to stick with me, you would have finished a lot, a lot faster. You still finished, um, which I'm so glad that turned out the way it did.
1: I probably would have started too fast and then cratered. What would have <laughs> <Yeah>. happened? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, pride. Uh, before the fall, That's like you right. said, um, but no, I loved it, man, and I loved spending time with you and Patrick. And you know, Patrick Sproul, man, there's nobody I'd rather hang out <laughs> with than Patrick Sproul. <laughs> He's the best, um, the funnest guy. And yeah. you, you're very, you're almost at the top of that list as well. Um, but I love it. I'm going to give him next year. I'm going to try to hit 44. You know, if I can get a spot, hopefully I can, and and then. You know, I might, I might hit sixty. You know, I might hit fifty-five. I might hit eighty. Who knows? Or I might get a hundred next year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, you never know what can happen. And hey, I had a new vest. I had some new shoes. I was trying out my Nike uh, Pegasus Trails how did, how, did pretty well.
1: What was your takeaway on the vest? I don't, I don't the know. Vest that was, debrief, the vest was, that was great. The vest was brand spanking new for that. Brand new vest. Solomon, Solomon. Uh, advanced Skin 12?
0: Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was about 200 bucks though, or maybe yeah. maybe it was more than that.
1: And what shoes were you cuz if there's any runners listening to this, yeah. they're going to obsess over all the crap that we were yeah. using. So, so what did you what, did, what was your kid? This kit? is
0: okay, this is my kid. I'm I'm tights on tights on tights. So Shoot that's my trail that's name. Way to roll. <laughs> so name of the game's compression for me um I'm short and stubby. So I have bug gave me i have some 2xu uh, running tights and then i basically wear those as underwear and then on top of those i had 2xu i believe they're 2xu they're running tights uh yeah i need one thank you um and then i had nike trail pegasus 2 which is the new version i can't recommend these shoes enough they're badass and I always had the Trail Pegasus ones that I ran the Spartan race in. I've had four pair of those, but I just got the Pegasus twos. I love the twos even better than the ones. And at, after the marathon, I changed from a pair of the twos to a pair of the ones, and they were great. But the twos are even better, and they're still they're out right now. You can buy them, and uh, that's what I use. Before I put all my clothes on, I I put uh, I have this this. Uh, Kind of like body glide. I put all over my private area and my nipples and everything. (laughs) Then I I wore just a Brooks running t-shirt that's real thin. that is breathable. And then my vest. And then I had my neck gaiter for COVID mask. And then I have just a, I wear just a a normal hat, like a Van Zandt coffee hat that has mesh on the back so my head can breathe. Otherwise, I'll get really sunburned. I always have to have my sunglasses. I have a pair of mechanics gloves to keep my hands from being too cold. I also have some black diamond uh, trekking poles that I use for hiking too, and they look like ski poles. You can also use them for skiing, I guess. Um, yeah, and that's it. Just
1: what headlamp did you have?
0: Uh, I my Petzl. Your I Petzl. bought a Petzl uh, because I always had a Petzl in the army. It's fa- It's my favorite. It's one button. Simple i had a bl- I have a black diamond that i bought that's that was expensive that has like 86 different features <laughs> and it wears me out so i never can figure it out i'm always i'm always clicking it a certain way hitting these little buttons and that pisses me off it just pisses me off so like i'm gonna give that to somebody because i'm just I'll, otherwise i'll throw it in the trash
1: one well, that's so like that's such a ultra running thing too is Little things make a big difference. Like There's so many things that are going to happen that are completely out of your control that are going to suck. Yeah. And so whatever you can do to minimize the things that are going to suck. So if it's like – because I love black diamond headlights, but I don't have problems with mine because I'm used to (laughs) them. But it's like I tried – You're mentally stable, not like me. I tried like an iPod before. And just the volume of the songs not being right, like totally wrecked about 20
0: miles of running for me. So it's like the little things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to have those little things. Um, I love running. You know, you told me like one time there's this guy at Bandera or whatever that has like just a pair of shorts on, some, maybe some old New Balance.
1: Yeah, Gordy Ainsley.
0: Gordy that, you know, just runs. Everybody's got this technology. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit. He just goes out there and runs it every year. Yeah. He's the oldest guy out there, yeah. probably. But, like, that's true badass material. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's badass stuff. And what's even more badass is whenever you can be a normal person and have a normal job and a good family and you can go out and run a hundred miles. Yeah. And you're not just this running freak. Yeah. Y- you know, that's badass to me. Uh,. Murphy, you're gonna, you're desperate to get on this podcast, aren't you? you just be, but just you know, you know what I'm there? saying, like the CrossFitter who can, who can go to CrossFit, not competitive, competitively, but you know, can RX some workouts, but mm-hmm. it's sti- but as a normal person, yeah. And because you can, you can also obsess about that, and that's that's your entire life. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, good. When you die, they'll be like, oh, you know, such and such CrossFitter and they were pretty good at crossfit. I'm sad they're gone, you know. <laughs> that's all that's going to give you, yeah, you know. That's yeah. all, that's it. Yeah. And that's not worth a lot to me. No. So, it I, you know, I'd rather be have fun, do things I love, do a bunch of different things. You know, like the regret. Regret's the only thing you don't want to have at the end mm-hmm. of your life. You have everything else that make regret. So, i love to do a 100-mile race. Like that sounds adventurous to me yeah you know it's it's exciting uh it's a it's a feat of strength i love you know working and doing these businesses that i have and i just i don't want to i don't want to leave any any stone unturned uh on the the whole life thing yeah you're supposed to be on this podcast man i'm just i'm just talking well (laughs) i'll tell my
1: kit then um yeah so what i used at the race um My kit's pretty much the same. The only thing, so last year I started Bandera in Solomon's, which is what I've ran in since Mm -hmm. I started trail running. And at the 50K mark, I felt like I was kind of having a stress fracture on my fifth metatarsal, and I switched to my Hoka One One Mm -hmm. Speed Goats, Speed Goat 3s. They saved that race, and then that's been, I still use my uh, Solomon Speed Cross for, like if I'm doing heel repeats, something super technical or I'm not running for very long, I'll run those. But my feet, I think because of CrossFit and starting to do more movements besides just monostructural single direction, mm-hmm. with all the squatting and the jumping and landing of CrossFit, my my foot, my toe box has gotten wider. My feet have kind of splayed out a little bit and like gripping mm-hmm. the ground more. It's changed what shoes are more more comfortable for me. So... I start down there, Hoka One One Speed Goat 3s, which they're not making those anymore, and I'm sad. The Speed Goat 4s are really good, but I like the tongue on the Speed Goat 3s better. Then, Man, I thought they were called Hoka 1,
0: they're called One.
1: I thought they were 1-1 one, one, too, but uh, Chris McWaters with Teos Trails, Hoka one, Hoka sponsors the major Taos Trails races now. They're like partnered up. And when they say it at their official race, they say one, one. So it's some, I think it's a Hawaiian thing. So I need to learn. At one point mm-hmm. I read it and I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. But yeah. I can't remember. We need what to it ask is. Jesse yeah. Henderson. Yeah. Jesse can probably tell us. My dad has like three pairs of, them. maybe he could tell us. I don't know. But those TXU or 2XU uh, compression socks, the calf, you know, calf sleeve type socks, 2XU Wolverine, X-Man uh running tights mm-hmm. and uh I always run in Patagonia Capilene um featherweight or lightweight uh silkweight t-shirt t-shirt and I have a long sleeve version of that but I didn't I I don't think I I don't think I used it I think we started with a short sleeve and gloves on yeah at uh yeah. at
0: West Virginia and then let, I had a an me, older let me plug the C- Patagonia capilene real oh, that quick. That's so awesome. So the first Patagonia shirt I ever had, I bought it at Backcountry in Tyler, which is a, mm. boy, a boy Scout store. Yeah. Because I was a I Boy Scout. So I had this shirt as a Boy Scout. It was a Patagonia. It was blue, silky capilene There was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he's on TV. He was a he was an outdoor, it wasn't Steve Irwin, mm-hmm. but it was, a, he, it was more of a kid's show, but he had that blue shirt. And he's, he's famous. I just can't remember his name, but he had the same shirt. He was Mm -hmm. always wearing a blue silky shirt and that's what it was. And I had it and I wore it in Boy Scouts. I still wear that shirt Mm -hmm. and, and you know, that's man, over 20 years old. It's easily, it's like 25 years old and it's still, there's a couple of holes in the armpit. But you know, before everybody had Patagonia, like it, it, it's a very good quality gear and the goose down jackets are the best. Mm-hmm. Th- you can't beat them. And yeah. that's why I still wear them. I have some duct tape on mine because I ripped it. But, like, I don't want to get rid of it. This is the warmest thing I have. And yeah, I've got several of them. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you buy quality stuff, like, it's going to last you forever. Stuff. Go ahead. I'm sorry bet your best.
1: Yeah. No, I had uh, – so I'd, I'd never had any cap. I'm 2008 Rockledge Rumble 50K in a Lake Grapevine, they gave away Patagonia Capilene mm-hmm. It was a, that race benefited veterans and they gave you a Capilene long sleeve shirt for the, for the finishing shirt. Mm-hmm. That's the first one I had. And then I'm, um, so I have a long sleeve one and that's what, like you can wear it from 30 degrees to 60 degrees. You're still comfy, you know? But then I had my, uh, my older Solomon advanced skin 12 mm-hmm. pack. And I had a insulated uh, bladder in there, which I just started using those a few years ago. So I was drinking on that the whole time. I had our kind bars and food and poisonous, toxic, uh, partner-killing beef jerky <laughs> in the pockets. And I had my phones. Just, I took about a million pictures.
0: red hot beef jerky. Yeah.
1: It yeah. was really, I mixed red hots with it. That was in there with it. Um <laughs> To <laughs> <laughs> I had all that stuff kind of poked down in the pockets. And then I always wear a head sweats hat. And I had a uh, black diamond uh, spot for my headlight. And I only went through two sets of batteries, I think, in, uh, in overnight. So I was really surprised with the setting because I would dim it down if we were walking and climbing. But any I was jogging or we were moving faster, I had the spot on. And it... The batteries lasted really good. I was really surprised. I wanted to try the Kojala light bar, but after that's just too much light for me and it's too heavy. Yep. Um, for my purposes. But we saw people using them and yep, they they, they were, were loving them. They were using them. They're blinding me. Yeah. Anybody. And then I had a Pearl Izumi Houdini type jacket, and I'd never. There's so many things I learned on the hundred mile that I've been trying to learn forever, and that was one of them. Like I'd come out of the aid station, i you get cold sitting there at night. And I would put that Pearl Izumi over everything, over the pack and everything. And then, I mean, y'all saw me, how bad I was shivering and everything. Mm-hmm. at Ansted. And about a mile or not even a mile with a jacket on, once you get out of the aid station, start warming up. And then I could just pack it in itself and stick it back in my, in my vest. And I was good to go. So that was a really good thing to learn too. That and just no sugar. I mean, for me, water, I had very little electrolytes. Um, I would take a few shots of electrolytes, but, um, it was mainly potatoes, mm-hmm. breakfast tacos, quesadillas, yep. beef jerky, and kind bars, the high-protein kind <laughs> bars. I mean, I was really – f- my gut felt good the whole time. I never felt and, – and I didn't – I wasn't just completely zombied at the end of the race. So
0: eating real food helped a lot. Yeah. I felt like. And I su- you don't sweat near as much as I do, but that's – I had salt. So I'm wearing the hat from the race. There's still a salt stain. I yeah had I can salt see all over. Like so thick you could rake it off into a salt <laughs> shaker like it w- it was I I put out some major sodium and so I'm glad I had enough electrolytes to not cramp cuz usually even on a half marathon I'll catch a cramp. Yeah. Half marathon. So uh that really goes to like I was eating and drinking enough and it was it was good.
1: Yeah.
0: It was good. All right. Well, what else you want to talk about? Oh man.
1: Proverbs one seven, I guess. Fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where we should have started. I mean, we don't even know anything without that. So you're li- uh. you're listening
0: to Adam's podcast? Yeah.
1: You guys, I just I appreciate you having the podcast. It's so good to hear. Um, it's such a mix. Like hearing Virgil and uh and and uh good gravy bill with a brangus i'm mean, a registered angus i'm going george berg. george berg george berg george and virgil's i mean those stories mm. are just now in the pantheon of awesome war stories that you would people would buy would pay money to hear those stories then to get to hear I like some the music education of you and patrick and then hearing like everyday stuff you just, you've just you done a good job of having a mix of uh, things people can learn. I've never listened to one episode and thought I didn't get anything
0: out of that. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening to all of them. Um, it's tough. Tough to get through all these, I'm sure. There's been a few fans. I mean, I've got people that listen to the, the whole thing. And it's hard for me to listen to myself because I you know, f- feel like I sound like an idiot when I'm talking. But <laughs> the doing it just to learn from you guys and thank you for being on and thanks for inviting me on that 100 mile uh, I'll never forget that it's one, something that I'll always, always talk about and I'm, I plan on doing it again next year um, thanks for getting me into trail running getting mm-hmm. me out of my comfort zone of you know, marathon or half marathon road running I never truly did a trail run before I met you um, hopefully I'll do Bandera this year but we'll see and I'm not I'm not going to lose any sleep over it if I miss it this year we will get it again next year uh, but it's been good man I've enjoyed it thank you thanks for the knife this is probably up there with the nicest gifts I've ever gotten in my entire life <laughs> so Whatever. thank
1: you man uh, thank you I really I know I could not have ran that race without you and without Patrick and uh, I was really super appreciative i know flow felt a lot better sending me off um with you going new I was in, in good hands and um you know my goal my fitness goal had been with just ultra running i could run places mm-hmm. and one of the things that drew me to crossfit was i wanted to be able to run places and then do something when i got there yeah you know and be capable and uh so i appreciate you uh bringing that element and I'm happy to return the favor on the running there side for you and for everybody in our CrossFit community. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I really love it. I love talking about it. I love helping people with it. And, uh, and it's been fun talking about it on here.
0: All right. Next time I have Bug on, we're gonna talk about RVs. Yes. And, and uh, <laughs> truck truck campers, slide in truck campers. We're gonna camper talk vans. about adventure vans and we're also gonna talk about just airstreams and main uh, type of RVs. So thanks for listening guys. Bring your deaf. Uh this podcast was sponsored by this is the fifteenth podcast, I believe, but uh Protein Proletas and also Atticus and Co. Modern Goods in Athens, Texas. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.